it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have episode 325. Today, we are going to talk about how activist investors can impact your investments. So this is not a topic we have talked about before, and it is something that's been in the news a little bit lately, and it has affected a company or two that Andrew and I have owned, our own. And so we thought maybe this would be an educational conversation for everybody. So uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Sir Andrew, and we'll go ahead and start our conversation. Thank you, Mr. Dave. So ironically, the same investment firm is the activist in both of our companies, right? Mm-hmm. So right. for me, it's Crown Castle, and for you, it's PayPal. Yes. Um, what an activist investor will do, basically, is buy up a bunch of the company and then mm-hmm. try to make changes in the company with the hope that they will buy. Kind of like, um, oh, what's that show I was on CNBC? Was it Succession or Wall Street or something like that? No, I, I should have. I should have. I should have thought about it beforehand. Almost like you're coming in and you're doing like a makeover for their business. Mm. Um, So they're taking a personal ownership stake. They're trying to affect change to make the business run better. And then they'll either continue to hang on to the stock or they'll sell it after their business transformation is done. So that's that's kind of in a nutshell. We can take off the headphones and and finish our conversation about activists today. Right. (laughs) But... You know, it is a big it is a big part of the market, and particularly if you're stock picking in some of the smaller names, that's where you'll tend to see this. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot more prevalent during the crazy LBO days. Mm-hmm. What that stands for is leverage buyout, and it was when, uh, because of really cheap junk bonds back in the '80s, there were a lot of titans of industry who would come in and they would use a ton of debt 
to basically buy up a bunch of a company and it became a huge thing for a while. We haven't seen as much now, but it does still affect your investments. Mm-hmm. And you could argue Warren Buffett kind of built his career off being an activist in one way or the other. So mm-hmm. it is something I think to keep in mind when you are picking stocks, hanging on to stocks. And I would also say I would not I would not get nervous necessarily if I saw an activist move in on my company that I own because it does happen. And so putting it in context hopefully helps you to alleviate some of the pressure that you might feel when you see headlines that say, oh my gosh, this activist is doing this or that. Right. Um, what, what's kind of been your exposure to, to activists in, in your investments? Well, like you said, Elliot in, uh, has been an activist investor involved in PayPal which is a company that I've owned for a few years now. And they, I think, at least in this particular s- circumstance, it, it feels like they were coming in and doing the things that really kind of needed to be done. Uh, they, were forcing, they were forcing changes that I feel like most investors really felt were necessary and management was resistant to maybe doing some of these things and maybe had their focus in the wrong places and caused, I mean, they caused a lot of uh, management making poor choices uh, kind of helped, you know, cause a lot of anxiety and also a lot of capital loss for investors uh, because they, you know, they bet on the wrong things and those things didn't pan out. And then the market saw that and the price dropped a lot. And so, you know, a company like Elliott can, you know, not swoop in, but they can swoop in and they can, they can enact change. Uh, And sometimes it's, it's awesome. And I think sometimes it's not awesome. Uh, It just kind of depends on what they're really trying to come in and do and what their objectives are. Activist investing is not something I'm intimately familiar with, but I've read some stories from the past and some of them can be quite confrontational and can be quite uh, antagonistic uh, because they're really trying to come in and force management to do things they don't want to do. And in some cases, not to necessarily break up the company, but kind of break up the company because they feel like there might be parts of the business that are far more profitable and would be better for investors to own that as a separate entity than have it, you know, all combined into one particular company and there are a couple of activist investors that I can think of kind of off the top of my head, Bill Ackman being one and George Soros being another. And they've all had various levels of success doing that with different companies. Sometimes they aren't successful either getting a seat on the board or they're not successful in being able to force change in the company. Or sometimes they just take the company down too. So there's there could be that too. Yeah, so maybe I don't know if it's helpful to to talk about kind of the blocking and tackling of of activism and and how they're able to do that. Um, you know, companies have different ways that they are run, and you usually have a CEO and an executive team, and you have a board of directors, mm-hmm. and so what you tend to have is shareholders will will be the ones who decide who the directors mm-hmm. are. And then the directors are the ones who rein in the 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 executives and the mm-hmm. CEO and stuff like that. So 
those dynamics are why you see some of these things. And so an activist like Elliot, they don't need to own the entire company to make these kind of choices. Mm-hmm. If they have enough of an ownership stake. And so for Elliot, for example, as of December 7th, they had about $2 billion worth of crown castle stock. And I'm looking at the market cap now and there's a market cap of over 51, just a, just a hair over 51 billion. So that's about what 4% of the company. Mm-hmm. But when, what that basically said in a typical structure, they're going to own about 4% of the voting rights. And if an activist can get some press and talk about the things that they think should change, and if they have a reputation for shaking things up like Elliot does, then what they're hoping to achieve is to have the other voting shareholders on their side and and listening to them. And that's a way that you know, a investor doesn't need to have a ton of shares, but can still make a difference. They don't have to be the majority owner to affect the change that they might want to see. Mm-hmm. That that's something that they can do if if they if they have a good reputation and and their ideas make sense. Don't have time to search the whole stock market. Tired of waiting through endless information. Instead. Get my trusted stock picks at valuespotlight.com. Yep, exactly. So how does how does a company like Elliot get on the board of directors? Let's be honest here. Your sex life is important. It helps us feel more confident and boosts our happiness. But sometimes we struggle to perform, our life gets in the way. This is where hymns can help. With their convenient and discreet online platform, you can get help for your erectile dysfunction from the comfort and privacy of your own home. No more waiting rooms, no more awkward conversations, just a simple, direct path to treatment that works around your life, not interrupts it. Invest in your health today. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor visits. Answer a series of questions on their site and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time you join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash investing. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash investing for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash investing. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety and effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. 
Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I mean, so getting into like corporate law and stuff, I mean, that can be really complex. Every every corporation has a different set of bylaws. Mm-hmm. And so depending on what corporation you're talking about, there could be ways to do it. And some corporations, to be frank, um, there's not much shareholders can do. And so that's that's kind of why getting down to the nitty gritty and, and digging through the the financials and, and the government documents, some investors don't like doing it, but it can keep you away from situations like that. Mm-hmm. But in general, um, you will see certain shareholders might elect a, a person to be nominated to be a director and then you have shareholders vote on that nomination mm-hmm. or management or the board will nominate their own people and then shareholders will vote yes or no, this person can join the board. In a typical structure, that's what you'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the, the, the board structure is not, I don't think, a conversation that probably happens a lot and it can really have a, a big impact on the business and what kind of what kind of impact or input the shareholders can have on the particular business. And I know without, without kind of really getting into the nitty gritty of it, I know that certain boards are, are set up such that they can be basically just yes people for the CEO. And I know that's one of the criticisms that Elon Musk gets for Tesla because the board really doesn't really, you know, he's a, unique individual and they don't really rein him in much uh, with the company. And so I know some of the criticism about the company and the way it's run and, and kind of the reaction they get from different things is that the board doesn't really hold him accountable for certain things. And so if shareholders don't necessarily agree with what he's doing, they don't feel like they have much say or input in that. Um, so that's, that's something that when you're thinking about the board, of the company it's it it can be helpful to kind of see who who's on the board is it related to the business does it have some sort of connection to what the business does and sometimes you'll see some very interesting board constructions you'll see managers or ceos of other companies that have nothing to do with with the business they're on but they may be incredibly smart people and can contribute lots of of great ideas or even accountability to the CEO because of their reputation and things of that nature. I know that Warren and Charlie have both been on lots of boards throughout their career. And I suspect a lot of times it was for that particular reason that they could help, they could help hold management accountable because you know, you're going to listen to Warren Buffett when he speaks. You're going to listen to Charlie Munger when they speak because they have a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom. Yeah. And, and I, I, to, to that point, you can argue that the diversity is, is very helpful. Mm-hmm. If you have a bunch of people in the same industry, they might miss the forest for the trees because they're all thinking in the same way. Right. Or an outside observer might say, hey, you know, you guys in that industry, you think that that's good, but that's actually not good. So. Right. Get your head out of there, right? Um, so it is, um, yeah. I mean, we could totally go down that rabbit hole, but um, mm-hmm. maybe we'll spare people for for now, right? So, you know, what are 
what are some of the benefits to the activists? Like, would you want to see an activist? Maybe, maybe put better this way. Cause I've had an investment where I had an activist come in and I saw what was going on and I was like, okay, I'm out. You know, I, I voted with my feet and I was gone. And then another activist more recently, you know, it's been good for the stock price. So as an investor, how, how, how is a, be, a beginner investor or, or somebody who's been doing this for a while, what's a good way for them to react to seeing an activist come in? Uh, I think you have to take it in context with the, the performance of the company at that particular time. You know, to your point, when when Elliot came into PayPal, they were on the struggle bus, and Elliot saw an opportunity to st- to come in and try to turn turn the tide and what what has been going on with PayPal and forcing them to make changes that the management was not willing to make, and in in a lot of cases, the board was not willing to make. And by them coming in, it forced the company to start making some changes and we'll see over time whether those changes will prove worthwhile or not at this point it's it's too early to tell but in that circumstance i was happy about it because i wanted to see the changes the, you know the you you got two choices when things are not going well you can keep doing what you're doing or you can try to pivot and i i think continuing you know what's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result you kind of kind of the same with with business and i think when you're thinking about a company that you own and you see an activist come in i think you really have to take it take it for where the company is and how well they're doing if a company is doing really really well and an activist comes in and then they want to start making a lot of changes then i would probably vote with my feet and and bow out because if they get power, let me rephrase that. If they get power and they start enabling some of the changes that I don't agree with, then I would probably be out. But that's how I would try to, I guess, try to look at it from a, a higher level overview. What about you? Yeah, I, I think it is case by case, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been interesting with, with this most recent one because it it opens your eyes to the way that people on Wall Street might view a stock. And uh, to your point, I mean, sometimes sometimes you keep doing what you're doing when you, when you have adversity and sometimes you pivot. And sometimes doing what you're doing is the right answer and sometimes pivoting is the right answer. So it's, it is, um, there is no easy blanket statement to say yes, good, bad, no. So I, I I would refrain from from making any generalizations as well, um, mm-hmm. like you. What would be some of the downsides then to activists coming in? Well, I think if again, well, let me back up for a second. I think one of the things that there are some activist investors that I think probably fall under the the guise of what you would call a, a corporate raider where they come in and they basically try to take over the business and in essence, break it up to try to extract the most value that they can and then move on to the next thing. And so they're not really interested in, they're not really interested in the long-term returns of the business or the shareholders. It's more about their immediate need to try to get a, 
a good return on investment in a shorter amount of time. And so if you find those kinds of firms, I guess, are attacking or trying to get into your, you know, worm their way into, you know, your company, then I would be concerned because that's, that could be a potential downside. You know, if you have a company like, let's just say Microsoft, you know, that's running, you know, hitting on all cylinders and is doing you know, awesome things. And all of a sudden, you know, a corporate raider gets into a company like that and decides to break off Azure and break off, you know, office and all these things. Well, that may extract some short-term value for the activist investors and the current shareholders. But if you are looking to partake in the the business performance of Microsoft for the next 10 years, then that's, that's a, to me, that would be a big downside. And so I think you have to really, I would have to look at what kind of activist investor is coming in and what are their plans to, to do things. One of the, I guess, the advantages to the way things work today with social media and with the internet and, you know, you can, you can fairly easily, not fairly easily, you can fairly quickly figure out what they're trying to do because a lot of times they're trying to sway people to their side. So they're going to broadcast their intentions to try to hurry favor so that it makes, you know, their case stronger. So in the case of Elliot, for example, you know, they're putting out blog posts. They started their own website with <laughs> the, what, you know, with the what they're trying to do what, what was the what was the title for the the blog post for the the crown castle one restoring the castle.com right restoring the castle.com so that that is a great broadcast of what they're trying to do and so if you don't know what what Elliot is trying to do when you read some news or see it on CNBC or something you can go to you know restore the castle.com and learn all about it so i think that to me is one of the great advantages to our time is that you it's not it's not a secret because they're trying to curry favor so they can get a board on the seat so they can do what they need to do and but different activists will do different things and they may function a little bit different and so you know to go back to those corporators uh I, i'm not intimate to all of bill ackman's activist uh, activities in the past, but I know that there was a couple of companies where he, where he forced his way onto the board and then tried to split up the company, but he got a lot of pushback from shareholders and the board members and the CEO. And so he ended up actually kind of bailing on that investment because, you know, I think he probably, I'm hoping, I'm, I'd like to think they had a change of heart or a change of mind that maybe, Hey, what I wanted intended to do is maybe not going to be the best thing. And so he, he changed his mind and got out, but his intention was to break up the company. And so I think depending on what you know about the activists and how they have reacted in the past, I think it tell you a lot about what could be the upsides and, and the downsides to me would be them destroying value in the business. I mean, it's just, you know, just because they get a board seat doesn't mean they always know the best about the business because they haven't run it. And so it doesn't mean that their idea is automatically the best idea. And sometimes change for change's sake is not always the best. Yeah. I mean, imagine if uh, somebody on the board told Elon, hey, you got to scrap this Model 3 thing. It's not profitable fast right. enough. Right. You know? Right. Sometimes, sometimes you need a visionary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, for sure. 
What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. What's interesting about the Ackman thing is um, he he used to be a lot more active than he is now. I mean, mm-hmm. at least when he recently did a stake in Domino's, he he said this is going to be a passive stake. And then, and then he came out like pretty quickly. But it, it is interesting to kind of see that um, and the different ways that different big-name investors have done it. You could argue Warren Buffett kind of was a corporate raider to Berkshire, and that's how he... Right. Berkshire, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you know Benjamin Graham also one of his very first investments? He was he was doing something similar. No, I did it, not know that. It, it wasn't to um, it wasn't to like raid the company or take it for himself, but he thought that 
the company was sitting on too much cash and he wanted them to pay it out as a dividend. And mm-hmm. so he went to the board meetings and raised a fuss and then they laughed him out of the room and mm-hmm. this and that. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting to see that a lot of the names that we know kind of, kind of have made their way in one way or the other being directly involved in some of their investments. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, even Berkshire has been a target for some of that recently. You know, right. people wanting Charlie and Warren to step down from being, you know, the board members of of the company that they're running, and they feel like that that there were better opportunities in the company. And Berkshire, you know, like to your point, sits on a lot of cash, and there are some yeah. investors out there that think that that either should be given back to shareholders as as a dividend or they should be more aggressive about buying back shares or they should be more aggressive about buying other businesses. And, you know, Warren has resisted that to this point. Uh, you can't really argue with, with his success. So, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see, you know, everybody has an opinion and it's always interesting to see what, uh, what ideas can come from different things. But it is interesting that Bill Ackman, yeah, he was more, far more active when he was younger. And he seems to have kind of faded from that. Yeah, a little, a little more uh, hands-off. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, for me, we'll, we'll see how this plays out with, with my investment. I think, I think there's been some good things proposed. I think there's other things that maybe... I question, you know, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But if there's really two big points that I would try to take away from it, I would say, number one, if you are investing in a company that is majority owned and it has majority of the voting power, you won't see this happen. Mm-mm. And so that's a risk you take is that you are putting your full faith in management in that situation you're putting your full faith in the majority owner in that situation. Not to say it's a bad thing. I have my own majority investments too, but that is something to consider. And then the second thing I would say is I think it, I think it really shows how that quote from either Charlie or Warren, find a business that's so simple to run because that an idiot can run it because one day somebody will. Mm-hmm. Not saying that every activist situation has a CEO who's incompetent, but in the chance that you do run into those problems, like to use your example about Microsoft, if if you know for whatever reason Satya decided to retire and some you know bimbo came in or whatever ham sandwich <laughs> and tried to try to shake things up, um, at some point maybe you would hope an activist would come in and, and kind of restore things to where it was, and so. By looking at the basics of a business, its competitive advantage, why is this business so different and so structurally better than other businesses? It can save you from a lot of this anguish to know that, you know, even if somebody doesn't know what they're doing is coming in, either the board's going to see it or maybe an activist can come in and and fix things. Mm -hmm. So to me, as a long-term shareholder, I, I feel better about buying stocks when I know that that's a feature of, of stocks in general. Mm-hmm. So, would you say that buying companies that are founder-led or founder-owned are better? What do you say? Um, 
I know what Twitter would say. Yeah, I know what Twitter would say. <laughs> Twitter would say absolutely, but I, I, I think it. I think it depends. You know, I, I hate yeah. to, I hate to qualify it like that, but there are, I think there are certain companies that do better based on the person leading the bus. So, I don't think Tesla would be Tesla without Elon Musk. Right. And if you remove him from the equation, at some point they'll have to. Because he'll, you know, either retire or pass on, and how well the company does beyond that will be, you know, how well he's built the business. But I think you, you look at that, you look at Amazon and Jeff Bezos' time at Amazon. You could argue that that company would not be what it is without him doing it. But then there's other companies like, um, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to think of anybody that probably. You know, Steve Jobs was obviously very instrumental, but Tim Cook has just has been equally instrumental yeah. in Apple's success. Satya Nadella has been very intr- instrumental in in Microsoft's success since you know he took over. And but you could argue maybe that uh, Sundar Pinchai, who's running Google, maybe hasn't been as integral to the success of of Google. Uh, I don't know enough about him and his impact on the company to say yay or nay for sure, but you know I feel like maybe not so much. Where you look at Meta slash Facebook, it wouldn't be where it is without Zuck. So, yeah, I think there's I think there's certainly the cult of personality kinds of companies can certainly benefit from from having those people, but I think the success of it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Steve Jobs did a good job of, of setting up Apple so they could succeed with another manager running the company. Tim Cook has obviously done a fantastic job and it'll be interesting to see once he steps down, how the company, you know, continues to perform. But Amazon, I think there was a lot of questions about whether Andy Jassy could get the job done after Bezos stepped down and they, they start, they staggered a little bit at the, you know, at the beginning of his, his tenure, but now they seem to be finding their feet and, and doing better. So, you know, I I guess I'm 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 a little torn on, on yeah. the whole idea. I think yeah, I it think, really depends on the company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough for it's it's tough when you're judged on how your stock price does, right? You know? Like, I'm not going to name names, but a, a company that I know. You know, guy comes in and return on equity goes up, up, up year after year after year, but the stock price doesn't follow. And now, you know, uh, now it's outrage, right? So, right. Um, I remember when, when uh, one of the CEOs you're just talking about was actually well revered and considered one of the great leaders, and now mm. the stock hasn't done well, and it's almost like what what's he done for the business lately? So, right. it's definitely a, t- a a tough tough place to be in if 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 that's what you're banking on. Um, mm. And I think that's where it helps to be a rational investor and try to separate what's going on with the business with what's going on with the stock price. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it, you, you do have to, you do have to take it case by case again. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the way that I would, the way that I would try to frame it is look for the best business that you can and if you have a great CEO that's running the business, then that's even better. Um, just because that's kind of the, the, the best of both worlds. You know, and I think if you look at a company like, well, you look at a company like Visa, 
they have been a fantastic business for a very long time and they've been through four or five CEOs since DHOC took over and the company just continues to excel. And you could, is that based on the CEOs or is that based on the company? I would probably argue that it's probably more on the, on the business than it is particularly on the CEOs because they really haven't done a lot drastically since the company was founded. And so I wouldn't, I'm not saying that the, the people that are running it are inept or incompetent far from it, but I guess what I am saying, they're not founder-led companies, but they're still fantastic businesses. So, yeah. How, how do we get a job like that? You just don't you don't tip over the apple cart, right? <laughs> yeah, just don't screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> you got a great thing here, just do not screw it up. <laughs> any any last thoughts on activist investing and how investors should think about it? I think. I think the thing you need to really kind of understand, I guess you need to understand what the, what the activists are are intending to do, what they're trying to do, what their goal is and kind of what position the company is in and why they're, why they're taking a stake. They're only taking a stake if they feel like they can enact change that will benefit them and their return on their investment. And you're really only going to find this if companies are in distress. And so if, if everything is super successful, you're probably going to find less activism involved. But when companies are struggling a little bit or they're in a sector that's struggling, then you might see more of that. And I think you just have to take it case by case and not and understand who it is that's coming in and trying to do what they're trying to do. And in some cases it, it will be exactly what you want in other cases it may not be. And so then you can make a decision from there. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I just, I think it's fascinating. I, I love this part of the market and investing. Um, and it's funny to see how fast change can happen. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Crown Castle yes. CEO is moving on. So right. <laughs> that was very fast. I mean, the, the activists came in and within weeks the CEO is gone. So, right. Um, yeah. I have nothing else to add. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Charlie. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our conversation for today. If you have any burning questions, if you're something you're dying to know, please reach out to us. We'd love to help you. We'd love to answer the question on the air. You can send your questions to newsletter at einvestingforbeginners.com. You can also go to Spotify. They have a, an area that you can ask questions on the app as well. So those are two great ways. You can also reach out to me at Twitter at IFB underscore podcast. And you can ask me questions there as well. So there's lots of great ways to reach out to us. If you have something, I just, I need to know this and we're, we're here to help. So with that, we'll go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.